following is from a Substack article that I wrote that will be linked in the description below and pinned as a, as a top comment. Love and free will. You can't have one without the other. Love himself imbued us with free will, desiring that we might choose to love as he loves. He is merciful and forgiving when we choose otherwise. 1 John 4.8 Whoever does not love does not love God, because God is love. Genesis 1.27 So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God he created them, male and female he created them. If I love my children, I will not structure their lives such that I turn them into robots who lack the capacity to choose to do anything other than what I want them to do. If I had a robot alongside my children, and I allowed my children the freedom to choose whether or not they act in ways I desire, but the robot was designed to do exactly what I want it to do, would it not be more meaningful when my children do what I desire in comparison with when the robot does what I desire? I would not say that the robot is doing so out of love, but I would say that it's at least possible that my children are doing so out of love. They could have many motives, one of which being love. To love in the most meaningful sense, both lover and beloved must have free will. That is, my love for my beloved is only meaningful if, one, I could choose otherwise, and two, my beloved could willfully act in ways that indicate that they do not love me. Likewise, my beloved's love for me is only meaningful if, one, they could choose to do otherwise, and two, I could will will willfully act in ways that indicate that I do not love them. Luke six thirty two through 36 If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies and do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. In the above scripture from Luke, Jesus reveals that there are levels of meaningfulness of love. He states that, at a minimum, there is a difference between loving those who love you and loving your enemies. He implores us to not only love those who love us, but to also love those who do not love us. We have a sense from the above that love is, a meaningful, love is meaningful in proportion to the degree to which love is not only unearned, but when negative judgment could justifiably or at least reasonably be met out instead. More on that in a bit. He doesn't stop there. You will be children of the Most High. Children, in the ideal sense, are representatives of their father. They bear the image of their father. They share likeness with their father. In the above scripture, Jesus specifies that love for your enemies is a critical component of bearing God's image, living according to his likeness, being the child of God he calls you to be. 
The question is, why? Why is it more meaningful to love your enemy than to love those who love you? If your enemy could not help but be your enemy, how would it be more meaningful to love them than to love those who love you? If they couldn't have not been my enemy, how could I in fact call them an enemy any more meaningfully than calling a rock my enemy because of its shape or size or location? I might not like that a rock is a certain shape because perhaps I want to use that rock for something and its shape prevents me from putting it to that use, but I wouldn't call that rock my enemy. Likewise, if that rock were the perfect shape for the use for which I intended to use it, I would not say that I love that rock, certainly not in the agopic sense that God calls us to love him and love our neighbors and even our enemies. That is, the love that I am called to have for my enemies is perfectly embodied in the words, For God so loved the world. I have a hard time thinking that that's the same kind of love I might have for the perfectly shaped rock, or the kind of mercy I might have for a poorly shaped rock. Why? Because the rock has no agency. The rock has no choice. The rock was not free to have been any other shape. <clears throat> Man, on the other hand, must have agency. Must have a choice must have the freedom to choose otherwise. Be merciful, just as your father is merciful. Imagine if I were to force my child to steal from me by grabbing her hand and making her take money out of my wallet. Imagine then that I told her, I forgive you for stealing from me. Would you say that I am being merciful? Even worse, would you say that I am being merciful as my heavenly father is merciful? Mercy first requires judgment. That is, in order for me to extend mercy, I must first perceive that the one for whom I should have mercy has done some sort of wrong. Would I say that someone has wronged me and needs my forgiveness if what they did was completely out of their control? I might be upset that things have unfolded the way that they did, but if this person quite literally could not have done otherwise, it's not so clear that I could justifiably say that they should not have done that thing. If I cannot justifiably say that a person should have and could have done otherwise, how could I justifiably say that they have wronged me? If I cannot say that they have wronged me, then how could I be merciful towards them? Merciful for what? Withholding judgment for what? To the extent that I can be merciful, surely my Heavenly Father's mercy far exceeds. Certainly as much as I might meaningfully practice mercy, the mercy of my Heavenly Father far exceeds. How then could I believe that there is no wrong that I've ever done that I could have not done? How then could I believe that there is no wrong that I've ever done that I should, should have not done? If that were the case, then I'd have to confess that God's mercy is utterly meaningless. Certainly no more meaningful than the mercy I'd nonsensically have for the poorly shaped rock.